Hey there, welcome to the fourth episode of the Debatable Podcast. I'm Gregory Sadashny. I'm going to be your host. Today on the show, we've got uh, Ethan Meyer. He's a producer and a filmmaker and an all-around nice guy, uh, yet another Towson graduate. I'm not trying to play favorites, people, but uh, this is just how it's happening. Uh, funny thing is that uh, I've never met him. I've never met him. He's uh, friends with mutual friends. He works with mutual friends. Uh, he's always been overlapping with my group of friends, but I only know him through the internet, through the great, the great World Wide Web. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Uh, we talk about his, uh, his, uh, college years and growing up in Maryland and, uh, kind of the road that he took to, uh, to lead to, to the glory that is, uh, reality television, uh, producing. Uh, he's a, he's, he's a cool guy. He's very, uh, very funny. Uh, if you, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you you probably should. I'll be honest. I was gonna say something really mean and and try to dissuade you, but I can't because he's a funny dude. It's uh, Mr. Ethan Meyer. It's M R E T H A N M E Y E R. Uh, yeah, you should definitely check him out. I went to see Magic Mike a couple days ago. Uh, pretty damn good time. I I I enjoyed it. Um, it's funny, good acting. Uh, Soderberg, Channing Tatum, who I'm finally coming around to, to liking between this and, uh, 21 Jump Street. He's kind of, uh, becoming a more naturalistic actor. I don't know if, if he was before and, and he was just, uh, you know, uh, uh, kept back by the projects he was choosing. But since I, it's probably around Haywire, uh, I saw him kind of, blooming into uh into a better actor a a more naturalistic actor and i mean shit he was great in 21 jump street but uh yeah he's particularly good in uh, magic mike it's partly based on his on his real life uh his uh his stripping his male stripping before he became an actor uh it's a very good movie i thought it's a interesting juxtaposition with the girlfriend experience if you've seen that movie um soderbergh's always uh, one of these directors that you can look for, you know, a, a, a realistic movie from. It's not, it's not stylistically flashy in the sense of a, of a Tarantino film, but, uh, as far as his, his kind of sparse, uh, direction and sparse editing, uh, he's, uh, he, he can be a very, um, uh, dependable director for uh, for a good story, a good movie, and Magic Mike is uh, is no different. I think uh, as far as his uh, his editing and and his direction goes, uh, it's one of his uh, best movies in years, to be honest. Um, yeah, so definitely check that out. I also wanted to comment on the clusterfuck that is Maryland's power outage. Uh, the Washington D.C. area got hit by. The uh, the storm on Friday. There we've been dealing with 104 to 107 degree temperatures, but on top of that, there was this hurricane-like storm that went across the area and went north to Baltimore, and and uh, I think uh, it went all was said and done like 430 or 450 thousand people that were BGE customers were uh, without power, and Pepco, of course, too, but uh, I only know BGE because I'm a BGE customer. 
But uh, man, what a clusterfuck with being without power, being without electricity. Um, you know, I don't want to sound too much like, oh, this is first world problems, but man, you really take things for granted. And when, uh, when it coincides with, uh, a really hot and humid weekend, it's uh, pretty bad. The, the air quality is pretty bad. So, you know, on top of that, you, uh, don't have air conditioning. You don't have, uh, the ability to refrigerate foods. You find out pretty quickly how people, act in public, you go to any gas station to try to get gas, and man, you know, if you have any doubt that uh, there is shittiness uh, uh, ingrained in humanity, go out during some sort of apocalyptic event like this, and uh, you will quickly be sobered to that fact. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was pretty pissed last night, a couple experiences uh, that I, that I won't go into, because I just don't want to to bitch any more than that, but man, yeah, the power outage has been a clusterfuck. Uh, luckily, uh, people are getting a lot of power restored. People I know, uh, got their power restored maybe, uh, just even tonight, and some people are still without it, so, you know, here's hoping that they get, uh, electricity soon. Anyway, so those are my two thoughts, uh, Magic Mike and the, uh, the power outage. want to get right into it with, uh, Ethan today. So, uh, please enjoy. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can, you can contact me on Twitter, um, at Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S. And hey, we've got a Facebook page. Why don't you go over there and like us? We're at facebook.com slash debatable podcast. I hope you know how to spell. I'm not going to spell it for you. You, you went to high school. You went to to college, most likely. Why don't you break open a book if you don't know how to spell debatable? Why don't you look at the title of this uh, of this uh, file that you downloaded from iTunes and or Libsyn? How about that? You can spell debatable. You can go over to Facebook, and I would really appreciate. Man, after after really just you know being mean to you, I'm asking you to go like my Facebook page. I'm not going to backpedal. Listen, I said some things. Uh, they're going to be in the ether. That's I, I just I just basically, you know, that anger came out of me. Let's chalk it up to the power outage, okay? We'll say it's just a weird time. I'm in a weird headspace right now. Just go over to Facebook, like our page, please. Give us give us some 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 recognition. Give us some uh, some fandom. Uh, you know, I really appreciate, um, all the feedback and the recognition that, that the podcast has been getting, uh, recently. I I appreciate all that, you know, all the things that you've been helping me with to refine this and make this more a show for, uh, for my listeners and, and for the fans of it. And, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who, uh, who has sent me messages on Lipson, on Facebook, uh, on, uh, iTunes, going over to the iTunes and rating it. I mean, that's just, that's more than I could have ever asked. And I really, I really appreciate it. So please, on top of that, 
if you have the time, if you feel like it, please go over to Facebook and like us. And uh, through Facebook, I'm able to update you know you on news, on new episodes, on new uh, guests. You can leave comments. You can leave questions. I will read questions on air. I will start doing that. Uh, suggestions for future topics on the show because you know we're of course not just an interview show we're we're talking about you know we're reviewing things we're talking about things that have to do with media with film with television with video games hopefully in the future with books and music I've got a couple music guests lined up so yeah you know I I would really like you to how many times have I asked you to go to Facebook how many times? I, I okay. Just go to Facebook. Just go to Facebook. Uh, dot com slash debatable podcast. Go over there, like us. You know, th- tell me if you like the 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 background banner. How about that? You know, just just go on there, like it, and and leave me an asinine comment, please. But um, also, I just want to throw one more quick thing before we go on to Ethan, and that is, I love you. No, it is that Fernando Madrigal. From the first episode, you might know, and maybe you know him in person. He gets around. He's got he's got a lot of followers on on Twitter. He he gets around. He goes and parties in D.C. Maybe you know him personally. Guess what? My man over there starting his own podcast. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a growing thing for both of us. We've been paralleling each other, trying to get the uh, the the plan together for for a podcast. And, uh, you know, he's finally, he's finally doing it too. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to have a, an episode up really soon. It's, uh, it's Print the Legend. That's going to be the name of his podcast. It's from, it's from a famous movie. It's from a John, you know what, I'll say it's a John Ford movie. But you know what, part of the joke is, I'm not going to tell you what John Ford movie. If you're a film buff, you know what it is. If you listen to Fernando's <laughs> podcast, he might start a little bit of a lie. He might lie to you about what John Ford film it is, but you know what? If you're if you're like us, you don't really give a shit. Fernando's a little bit of a joker. A little bit of a joker. Um that's putting it very lightly. Anyway, print the legend. It should be coming up soon. Uh he should have it up on Lipson. He he'll be putting it all over Twitter. His uh his Twitter handle his 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 name is uh, Arturo Morla, A R T U R O, M O R L A. Jesus Christ, do I hate spelling names? God, why can't everybody just have a fuck? Why can't I just say go to seven? Just go to eight. How about go to nine? And there you go. There's that guy. There's that guy you want to talk to. What's his number? Oh, one nine two. Go to one nine two. I guess that's. Pretty ridiculous, because then I would just be barking off an, uh, a, a selection of numbers. Anyway, Arturo Morla is his name on Twitter. Go go follow him. You'll get updates about his podcast, which is, is planning to be a good old time. I'm sure he's going to be talking about uh, a whole bunch of things. Sports, hip-hop, film, television, media in general. And, uh, you know, just like anybody, I would say Fernando... He, is probably one of the funniest and smartest people I know. Okay, you know, I'll I'll put out a, a nice little comment. I'll be I'll be I'll, I'll put a compliment for him. But uh you know, it might be the last cuz fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. He's competition now. 
No, he might be on episode 6, actually, so uh, <laughs> don't say anything too bad about him, right? Anyway, we're going to get right into the show. I know I said that about 20 minutes ago, but uh, Ethan Meyer, coming up after the break, stick around. Let me know what you think. Okay, we are recording. Can you hear me all right, man? Oh, yeah, I can hear you great. Like, is there, I'm just, I, I'm, like I said, I'm in my little tiny bedroom and I have the AC on, because otherwise I'll die. Yeah. But, uh. It, it's not too noticeable, is it? No, I can't hear it too bad, and I'm in a suite with, uh, with you know, background noise, too, so I don't think it should be that big of a deal. Right, Man, good. it is hot as a bastard down here. It's like, it's like L.A. and Predator 2. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> so there, there's, there's gangs just getting wiped out. Yes, left and right. By, <laughs> by invisible people and uh, Danny Glover? Yeah, okay, that's well, cool. I understand. No. So uh, yeah, dude, it's interesting to uh, to talk to you because you're like <clears throat> you're like a mutual friend. You went to the same school as I. You were you an EMF person? I was. I have I have a degree in film, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah. And you've at least used it. You might be one of the most successful people that has uh, utilized their EMF, their electronic media and film degree. Which is which is both accurate and very very sad. <laughs> So I mean, yeah, it's, no, I, I have used. I don't think I've actually used it to get a job per se, but I do have it in my repertoire. Right, and you, well, you've, you, you, uh, I mean to say, you've, uh, you've done everything that maybe an aspiring EMF major right. <laughs> hopes for, maybe. Yeah, being... I, I managed to not have a real job since I graduated. <laughs> that's great. So that's, I think that's a, that, that's an impressive feat. That's perfect, man. So, uh, did you grow up in Maryland? Yeah, I'm originally. Well, actually, wait. Should we should we first cover the fact that we don't know each other? No, no let's. You know what? You're right. You're a better host than I am. Why don't you host it? <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Yeah, I we mean. don't know each other, and and it's funny because we have mutual friends, uh, mutual um, uh, groups that that either work together or went to school together. Mm-hmm. I think that when did you graduate, Towson? Oh uh, seven. Oh seven. So you were there. You were there at the same time as I, but I was out like uh, December oh five. So we were like overlapping. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was weird because I. Yeah. Like we we clearly know a lot of the same people. Right. Went to the same school, et cetera, et cetera. And and yet, in fact, it wasn't until this podcast that I even knew what you sounded like. Right. Same here. I heard the podcast, Same here with I was you. Like, oh, that's what he sounds like. You yeah, know? and the the extent I'm, of our our relationship or friendship rather would be uh, just through Twitter and Facebook and social yes. networking. Which is probably the best way to know me because I'm I'm really charming. If you don't, <laughs> don't meet me in person, I'm awesome. In written form, yeah. when you can think about things to say. Exactly. Yeah, when you don't have to look at me, I, I, I'm way better. <laughs> Very charming. As soon as there's a visual, you're like, like ugh. Right. End of conversation. But it's interesting. You you did come to my um, attention through production. I think through Devil's Race Course, actually. Uh, Dan working on that with you. Was that the first time you met Dan? No, I met... Uh, no, it's a long, winding tale of woe and <laughs> your dream. But no, I think uh, I met uh, at Towson. Uh, I was chosen to be part of a documentary called Film One, which right. apparently is, is coming out eventually. That's uh, what I've heard uh, from Mr. Eric uh, Christopher Myers. Yes, I, I know were, Eric Myers. I went to. I was in. I was actually in Film One with him. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, they did a documentary about uh, a person doing their first Film One project and. It was me and my partner, uh, Bill Schneider. 
and uh, and I think they picked us because uh, I'm we were gonna try to destroy everything. No, I don't remember. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I met I met his business partner Joe Davidson through that. Right. And then I on and you know what I've done the same thing with Joe where I've talked to Joe and I was like somehow we worked together and then we became friends and I don't remember how that happened. Like literally somehow we went from let's work on these projects to let's hang out. But when that happened and. In, fact working with Dan I don't know when the moment was that I became friends with Dan but right. I certainly I've worked with him at least and I've talked to his uh class uh of students two right. years in a row you know it's it's um, not it's 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 uh it's not uh out of the ordinary really for that group of people because as bad as uh you want your your reputation to be as a as a bad boy and everything uh most of the people around here are <laughs> are such, uh, such nice guys, you know, um, working together, you're in a creative environment. I was just talking to someone, um, yesterday about this, about, uh, working in a creative environment with people who are, you know, uh, like-minded into film, you know, uh, they're, uh, a, a lot of them are about, uh, bonding community, creative community. So being around them, I'm not surprised that, you know, uh, friendships, uh, came out, came about from that, especially with, with Dan and Joe, who are generally, uh, jovial people. <laughs> yeah. Generally. And I'll, yeah, so we're all, and, and we're all a little crazy. Like, sure. no one gets in the film thinking, like, this is a safe bet. Why the you know, hell no, would you do no, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, this is not a choice that you should make. It's a choice that you have to make. Right. And so, yeah, so I think that's why we all get along, because we all, and in fact, that's a lot of my friends now are, are in production as well, because we all understand that we're these strange people that are, you know, the, the, the thought of an eight-hour day is like, eight. that's like the shortest day I've ever heard. Why would you work eight hours? Right. Like, that's what fourteen and sixteen-hour days are for. Right. Like, well, you obviously yeah. we're on nuts. To, we're on nuts, but we're on nuts together. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I see that. Um, so you you obviously uh, have a passion for it. Was it something that you gravitated to, like at a young age, growing up in Maryland? Where, where in Maryland did you grow up? Uh, I'm originally from the eastern shore of Maryland. Eastern uh, shore. I'm from Kent, Kent Island, uh, oh, right, right across on, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. And uh, yeah, I think growing up, you know, both my parents uh, are. English or were English teachers, and so I've always had a appreciation for storytelling, and and I I I don't know I, I don't know when I think in high school my parents kind of pushed me. We had a brand new school, all of two schools in the county uh, for high school, and the new one had a TV production section, and they pushed me to that, and I'm really glad they did because I I, I, I don't know I really enjoy that type of storytelling, and I, I enjoy. It. It really fits. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have said I'm like a human IMDb. Like if I see a trailer, I could be like, oh, oh you know, that person wasn't able to see the movie, but I'm forever because it's, you know, you tell me something, I, you know, I'll meet you and I won't know your name five seconds later. Yeah. But I don't know the way you look forever. <laughs> what did you What did you um, gravitate just, to gr- growing up, though? I mean, like, oh, were you were you big into action movies? Were you into independent features? What were you into? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess. Well, I okay. Well, what made you want to be in in the industry is what I'm asking. Oh uh, well, that's a that's a different question because okay. I think I didn't realize that people actually did like people like me actually made this stuff. Like right. I I think where I lived, you know, I lived like you know like eight miles from the highway. You know, like if we wanted to get milk, it was an eight mile trip. You right. Know? 
wanted to see a movie, it was a forty minute drive. Right. You know, it was everything was farther away, and I didn't I didn't know anyone in the business, uh, so I didn't really understand that people it was possible. Like it just seemed like this far away thing. Um, I think I growing up I liked the same type of stuff as everyone else did, but I remember uh, my mom brought home uh, David Fincher's The Game. Yeah. And said I you might like this. And I remember watching it and going like, oh my god, like, you could do this with movies? Like, this is amazing. You know, this is, it just blew my mind. Right. It's, and I still have a, I still love that movie and I love movies that take you on a ride like that. Oh, that's um, such an interesting gateway, man. Seriously, that's, uh, you know, as, as, as good as, uh, as filmmakers are, I, I like the ones that kind of gravitate to, uh, to Fincher because that's kind of like the guy that, that I loved growing up, like, <clears throat> I would, you know, I, I don't know why my dad was cool with me and my group of friends going to see Seven at the age of 12, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was uh, totally nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's yeah, totally it's a kid's cool, movie. relaxing, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, you get, you get, uh, I, I, I made an experimental uh, project in college, kind of, um, pointing the spotlight at, at me and at my peers because it became kind of a, a cookie cutter situation with film majors that you either got into film uh, because you liked The Matrix, you liked Kevin Smith, <laughs> you liked Tarantino. So like this whole experimental uh, project was kind of compiling <laughs> all of these student films together. And surprisingly, every single one of them was trying to be that, trying to be Kevin Smith or trying to be Tarantino. And oh, I, I totally believe that to the point that, like, my first quote-unquote film, like, not something I recorded just to record, it was, like, my high school final project. And it's called Disconnected. And you could tell watching, I came and watching hell, because I was obviously so ODing on the movie Donnie Darko. Yeah. It's just, it's, you watch, you're just like, oh my God. Like, it's just, if it, it everything but the rabbit. It's yeah. the same <laughs> thing. And you're just like, oh man. But it, no, it's definitely, I think, well, I guess that's how you, you know, you go in and start playing. You know, you want to emulate and imitate. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what everyone does in every, you know, in this business anyway. Yeah, no, that's absolutely that's absolutely true. Like, um, it's, talking to people about the pretension of film school, like, um, just in general, you know, people people have an idea of what a film student is, and it's it's a very you know, it, it's it's a it's a group of of people that are trying to apply some sort of academic thing to to filmmaking which is almost kind of a workhorse major or or it's something where you where where the work is not necessarily um put a spotlight on unless you are in a film major people don't think okay automatically oh there's a grip there's a you know there are people that actually work hard on these like you said 12 or 14 hour days yeah well it, yeah it's true because i remember my well here, let me go through my quick tale of woe as well sure. about so like, yeah when i got you know when i decided for college i wanted to go into film i still didn't realize that this was a path that was viable right. i was like this is fun when i'm doing this it doesn't feel like work right. maybe that's what i should do so i actually went to hofstra university first which is on long island right which is where francis Ford coppola and uh i was like oh you know francis Ford coppola went there I'm basically going to be making the Godfather in like 10 minutes. 
<laughs> like, I'll, like, I'll meet all the hits in New York. I'll meet all these people. Sure. But like, you know, I'll be like, hey, look, Steven Spielberg's son is my roommate. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. But uh, I got there, and A, I realized two things. One is that Hofstra's on Long Island. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, I, have, I have family there, so I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's not, especially for me, like, I guess I lived in such a bubble of, of you know, kind of small town, but I don't know, like, not a lot of pretension there. Sure. And you get to Long Island, and, and it really didn't, it didn't fit me at all. And, and uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't work. It just, I really didn't take to it, didn't enjoy it. Uh, so I, I ran back to Maryland and back to Towson. Uh, and but, but why? What? What? What made you go to Towson? Because UMBC is kind of thrown around as being another, you know, art school, another film school. That's a fantastic question. I have no idea. Um, well, I know that my my girlfriend at the time, who now I've had the pleasure of being married to for four years, yeah. she was going to Towson, and and I I am nothing if not a coward. So I was like, I'll go to the school that she's going to, and yeah, it worked out. Uh, and both my, both my parents went to Towson in some, I think both of them have masters. Oh, there you go. Okay. Like that. so, so it was it was the more known entity. Right, familiar. Uh, yeah, I was, and I knew some people who went there and to do it worked out a bit better. Uh, I don't, now I already forgot what, what you're, what started that path. So, so we were just talking about, like, what... what oh, wait, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I when we went to Towson, and, and you'll have to forgive me, who is the, the name of the, the guy who's in charge of the department? Right, uh, I think, are you talking about Greg Fowler? No, was it Barry? It was Barry Moore at the time, right. Uh, Barry Moore, I remember when we all, like, when we, you know, did the tour and whatever, and we went and talked, and he's like, tell, go around the room, you know, tell me, visiting people who want to go to Towson. Sure. At their film program, EMF majors, what, what are your goals? And each person was like, I want to be, you know, I want to win an Oscar. I want yeah. to do this, and I'll right. do that. And he said, just to let you know, like, none of you are doing anything. <laughs> Which is something that I thought at the time, I was like, oh, that was kind of mean. And then at this point in time, I'm like, man, I wish more people did that. Were, like, sobering? It just, well, just, you know, and it's something that I, part of the reason, you know, we'll get to why I'm in New York and not in Maryland, is that, you know, it's not an easy dream. It's not. Definitely. You can't sit at home you can't you know live anywhere and do it that's certainly not the it's, case and there's certainly a commitment that's required and and uh and yeah it, it's it's not an easy major and it's not and i don't think i i realized you know for a long time i worked you know my resume is bizarre because I, people are like what do you want to do and i'm like i don't know i'll do it sure right. you want to work costumes sure right i don't know like because there's there's only so much you can cover in college you a lot of you have to do in life and you have to be, yeah, you have to work in a lot of different departments in, in, a, in a school setting anyway. You know, you have to, yeah. care, care, you have to wear a, a lot of different hats. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think this is kind of um, <laughs> offensive to Dan, though you might want it to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it offensive. I've been friends for, with, with Dan for a long time, and um, I remember one of the conversations we had um, very probably – probably while we were still in school was, and, and I say this only because I don't think that he, I'm not, okay, I'll say it and then I will clarify it. He said that he had a conversation with Barry Moore that went, uh, it was either a lecture or a class or maybe he was talking to him one-on-one, I don't remember, but he said 
something to the effect of, you know, you're going to have to go to New York or L.A. Because if you stay in Maryland, you're always going to be a grip. You're always going to be working on productions in the capacity that, you know, is not, you know, uh, world-renowned filmmaking success. Right. So uh, I, I say that to, to only because I well I don't personally think that Dan is a person that's that's kept back uh, by his uh, his aspirations. That that what Barry Moore is talking to him about there is not what Dan and Joe do. They're freelancers. They have you know they they're running a, a pretty successful company. They're working on projects here and there. You know. Uh, uh, features and shorts and everything. So I, it's interesting, you know, for people going into film <clears throat> that are conscious of it, especially mid-Atlantic, you know, growing up in Maryland or Virginia or whatever, uh, that there, especially when, when I was going into college, that there, and maybe there still is, this interest of, well, this is the stepping stone. I'm going to go here to get a degree, but if I want to continue in film, I've got to go to New York. I've got to go to L.A., uh, maybe parts of Texas, Austin, or whatever. What do you What do you feel about that? Do you think that that's still very true? Well, I definitely think it's true in the sense. Well, one of the things that I, you know, when I talk to Dan's class, is I say that you know you have to be you have to know what your goal is, and that if if you want to work on features, yeah, if your goal is to work, you know, I want to be on movie sets with the Coen Brothers, and I want to be on Tarantino things, and this and that, right. you have to move. Right. And that's that's not. I, I hope that's not breaking anyone's heart because it's true. It's it's just it's the nature of the beast, um, you know. Like, but it, if you're if that's not your goal, there's no reason. There's plenty of work to be found. Right. But if you're looking for yeah. the bigger things, you absolutely have to. Move. I know for part of the reason that I moved was you know I I was lucky enough that my first job was on the wire. Right. You were and a PA, right? I'm sorry? You were a PA on that, right? Yeah, I was a PA uh, in the second unit of the last season. Of Very the nice. Um, so, yeah, so that that's where I got to kind of you know, learn a little bit. I mean, I'm still learning today, but sure. that's where I kind of got to do that. And then, you know, uh, the D.C. Baltimore area had a little bit of work for about a year. You know, they had, like, uh, they had My One and Only, which is, like, a little Renee Zellweger thing. And they had, yeah, like, yeah. State, did, of, uh, State of Play. Did, did Joe and Fernando work on that, too? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I was in costumes and pre-production on that. How did um, how did you, I, I saw that on your IMDb? How did you fall into doing costumes? Was that just an opening that? Yeah, it was uh, on State of Play, which is shot in DC. Uh, someone there was a costume PA, and that person got fired. And then I got a phone call, and they said, "If you can be here in like an hour and a half and interview, you can have the job." Right. And I lived about an hour and a half away. <laughs> I was not showered or anything. I was like, absolutely, I can do that. <laughs> because, again, to work in film, yeah, you could liar. Sure. So, rushed down, interviewed him. And yeah, I did that for about uh, a month and a half, which was a great experience. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and then I did costumes on My One and Only off of that, which was back in Baltimore um, for pre production. And then a couple years later, I worked on Transformers 3 because uh, the same uh, costume supervisor from um, from State of Play was coming to, oh, to New York, D.C. Right and said, hey, can you, you know, do you can you recommend anyone? I said, no, oh, I'll do it. I haven't seen you in a while. Sure, why not? Was you this know? while you were still in college? No, no this is all uh, 
State of Play would have been the following summer after college. Okay. When were you on The Wire, though? Were you still in the college? Uh, I got, no, I could have gotten it right at the end, but I think I started on The Wire about a month after graduating. Right on. Right on. And so, what, were you, what were your experiences, you know, since that's such a, like a, a show for me and, and yeah, so many people, what, what was your experience on that? Was it a lot of gopher and doing stuff like that? Yeah, it was a lot of lockdowns, um, trying to stop, you know, bad neighborhoods of Baltimore, trying to stop people from crossing the street. <laughs> Sure. And uh, and you know guiding, uh, yeah. It was it was a lot of it was, yeah. It was a lot of lockdowns, a lot of uh, talking, you know, hanging out with cops and making sure you know we shut down streets and you know blocking doors to make sure no one enters when we're filming. And right. It was little things, but it was very important. And it was it was a good place to learn. And it it really was the only time in my career that I've been starstruck because I was such a big fan of the show. Oh yeah. That I definitely you know. Uh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, McNulty just walked in the room. And <laughs> just silly, because I've never been like that since then. But at the, for that show, I was just. In it's it's so it's so um, uh, 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 such a special case too because um, Fernando and I talk about this. It's 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 almost like you know how people must feel about something happening in their town. You know, you're going to school in Baltimore, so Baltimore is kind of the. And if you grew up in Maryland too, it's kind of like it's such a it's such a Maryland show. Even if it's in the city, it's such a Marylander type show, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, even even I remember in the first season uh, when Wallace gets sent away. So yeah. Like, I, he gets sent to Cambridge, Maryland, which is on the Eastern Shore. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Eastern Shore, one percent, man. Like we, got, you know, we got that's where my parents, my mom's from. Like, yeah. So no, it's absolutely a show that's so. Maryland base and it's just it's crazy and, and no and it was very exciting and it's something that I leave on my resume to this day yeah it's usually a conversation starter immediately right because oh I mean after my interview even today people go oh the wire sure yeah. And I mean, right after, yeah, especially after, or or maybe right before season five started, when the real critical growth about the wire started getting into the internet a lot more. It wasn't just you know a. Um, Maybe it started during season four, but there there wasn't as much you know uh, blogs and and critiques written about it. It was it was like almost like oh it's my little show right it, right. right at that point <laughs> right. in season four, but it kind of blew up after that. So um, getting back to the to, to the college thing though, uh, I did want to ask you because I I was talking to uh, to Dan on the last program about it, and this is an interesting like turning point for me, especially for people like you and Dan who went on to be uh, successes at in the in the industry that you went to school for, right? Well, you, yeah, well, I, you are. I, well, I am a success. I, yeah. just, I enjoy that. That's sure. But, but what would you say, like, when you were getting out of college, was there an immediate fear being set on, or did you know what the plan was, or no, what did you... No, I was so scared. Um, I'm usually not a person who, who freaks out about things, but I think it was... You could ask, there's there's pictures of this somewhere. But I think it was the night before graduation, I think my brain exploded. Because <laughs> I just was like, oh my god, I have a degree. What what the hell am I doing <laughs> with a degree in film? I live in Baltimore. What am I, uh, what, like, I just, there's no thought process. There's no, like, you know, I, I'm very much a live in the moment person. And then all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks that, oh my god, I need to, like, go do stuff now and like, right. uh, what like I didn't think this out at all what, was uh, there anything lined up coming out of it no 
no, it was all, it was all, yeah, man, like, I think I did my part, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, so what, so what happened, tell me what happened in the subsequent weeks and months after you got out of college, once you got that degree, what did you do? Oh, well, uh, well, luckily I was able to like, get on the wire thing, because I met, uh, the, the key PA for the second unit at a house party. Oh, <laughs> That's really I'm just I'm just here because of dumb luck <laughs> and the fact that I I don't freak people out so they don't mind having me around. <laughs> um, but no, so it's uh, yeah I met him and really and that's really it's just who you know and and proving that you have the passion and desire to do it so people put up with you know <clears throat> so yeah I think it just kind of rolled from there like I did that and did some you know uh, corporate stuff down in D.C. and. You know, helped out Joe and Dan and people like Jared No and and you know worked on uh, a lot of it was also uh, self generated like um, I worked on you know Eric Christopher Roulette and I did uh, his behind the scenes series right right it was called Luck of the Draw right and, uh, yeah it was just kind of keeping yourself busy and 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 luckily you know I had a, a, a girlfriend at the time wife now who was extremely patient and understanding that it's not your average type of job but there's sure. a great potential for growth and wealth and I was just not achieving it. <laughs> so she was patient patient with you. That's what you gotta that's what you gotta yeah. thank her for. <laughs> I just got very lucky that she tolerates me my silly dreams. <laughs> But that's cool, man. Yeah, it seems like uh, again that we we've got so many like so much overlap in uh, in uh, the friends and everything. I mean, uh, Eric, I definitely know from uh, from school. I'm sure a lot of people that work there. Uh, I know that his editor uh, uh, Dylan. I know him from mm-hmm. Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you obviously know uh, Diego Torres, who is one of my favorite people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can undersell that. Either. No, I, I love Diego, and I, I've only wanted to murder him like seven times. <laughs> um, he, luckily, uh, yeah, we worked a couple times together, and he was uh, gracious enough to be my co-producer on my uh, my short film uh, that I made. Uh, it's just recently being kind of distributed. Right yeah, he, was, he was nice enough to be my co-producer. And, uh, but no, we've worked together a long time. And despite and you know, him, him being Brazilian, we get along very well. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to to come on here, and someone made a um, a grotesque remark about whether I'm going to subtitle the uh, the podcast. That's horrible. It's <laughs> something you need to worry about. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, but yeah. Again, you know, uh, you know Dan, you know Joe, you know Josh Eisenberg, you know Diego, yes. you know Eric. So these are basically people that I, you know, I knew very well in college and, and came out of there. Did, did you, did you, had you met uh, Chris Haniok on uh, Devil's Race Course? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris and I, yeah, I love Chris. Yeah. yeah he's a good, he's a, he's a character too. I like him. He's absolutely a character. He's <laughs> a very buff, small person. <laughs> so uh, it, it seems like uh, there was uh, connections made and one job came after another, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it, Looking back, it's like, oh, it was all back-to-back. But I know in real life, it was like quiet months. Right. Uh, which is the nature of the beast to a degree. So um, how long, like, go down the timeline with me. You were, you were doing PA <laughs> work on, the, on, the, uh, on those features all the way up to Transformers, right? Yeah. Um, oh, God. And I costume? It doesn't make I don't remember this stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was mostly, um, it was almost all, if it was anything big, it was PA work. 
Um, and then if it was, I think that the thing I used to say is that the smaller the project, the bigger my role. Right. So um, if it was something, you know, like I'm looking here, let me look. Uh, yeah, like The Wire, uh, Burn After Reading, uh, a couple commercials, State of Play, She's Out of My League, My One and Only. Uh, um, yeah, stuff like that I was a PA on. Um, you have any no, good... I also dabbled with, like, you know, the, 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 the smaller local movies, like Devil's Race Course. Right. And, uh, and uh, I helped out on, like, President's Day and Living Will, which is out of Jersey. And, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about some of this. So, like, uh, you did... Um, how did you... How did you get on to... Um, uh, Devil's Race Course. That's something I saw. Like I, I heard the stories about you guys going to Western Maryland, and yeah. it just. Uh, I, I've heard. I've heard more stories than probably should be told. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stories. Um, <laughs> and a lot of bodies that are buried out in the woods of Western Maryland too. How, how, did, how did you get involved yeah. in that one? Uh, that's uh, Joe and Dan. Um, I think it was a deal where Joe and Dan had set up like two movies and Jared No, uh, kind of back to back sort of, they had living will, which was shot in, uh, Swedesboro, New Jersey. That's the uh, Ryan Dunn which, movie, right? That's the Ryan Dunn movie. Um, I get kicked in the balls by Ryan Dunn <laughs> and he shoots me in the chest. So apparently we were, I was very popular with him. And then, um, we did that for a couple of weeks and then we went out to Western Maryland to do devil's race course for like three weeks. And then after that we went back, to Living Will to Jersey for another week to right. kind of finish that movie up. But yeah, it was just bouncing around. It was fun. It was fun being, and it's something I've learned, uh, a lesson I've learned that I prefer being on smaller sets. What, um, what does that afford you? Like, what is, what is, you mean like smaller independent films? Uh, no, uh, just smaller sets in general. Like, today I work mostly uh, smaller sets. Uh, I, like working on something like a Transformers when there's like a thousand people on set. Right. Uh, there's really no joy for me in that because I don't, you know, my, uh, it's hard to know, especially when I was being a PA. Like I don't, I didn't really know who my boss was. Like literally everyone could have been my boss. Um, so it, I think to view, like to view a set like that, to be on like a state of play and watch them, you know, make it, make it rain all of a sudden or being <laughs> on Transformers and watching you know, a, a police car explode and flip over in front of you. Like, that's fun, but I don't enjoy being on those sets. Right. There's something to, to come about from interpersonal just, kind of... Yeah, it, it's something that, yeah, I want to be a known entity and I want to know who I'm working with. Right. Um, and, and it's something I've learned. I, I really don't... If it's more than, you know, like, uh, yeah, when it gets in the hundreds, I'm just... I, I lose something. It's not as interesting to me. Sure. Um, and my comfort level drops. A lot. So I think I learned that on those independent movies, and then I kind of somehow accidentally moved into uh, like reality television, and that also has has a similar mindset. I think I think in a weird way, reality is kind of very similar to independent movies, in a sense where it's kind of running gun and a small crew, and we're going to just shoot it. Right. And and I kind of enjoy that aesthetic. I, I enjoy the speed and the and yeah and, and yeah. I, I feel like I, I have I have a lot more input. You know, like, you're never going to get asked for input on a gigantic movie. And most people that are up top, this is not some place that I'm willing to, to you know, I'm not going to, you're not going to move up in that land. Well, you know, how do you balance that with your aspiration to, to uh, you know, to move up, to be more successful? I mean, you, you obviously have no control over the uh, size of sets if, if you're going to go 
move up the ladder, right? You're you're in a pro- you're in a producer, associate pr- producer yeah. stance right now, right? You're in a position mm-hmm. where you're working with how many people? Uh, yeah, our our crews tend to be the crews I, I work with on shows are probably in the field, probably between ten and twenty. Right. Uh, that's probably on the big twenties on the really big side, actually. Probably probably between like seven and fifteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Which that that fits for me because I know everyone and right. I have a rapport with everyone and 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 yeah, you're building relationship for for your next show or you know it, and I mean that's really how you know I can track back my career, you know how I got to become associate producer. I can track it back directly, you know, from job to job. But like I got this job because I became friends with this person right. on this set, and right. then it became this set, and da 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 da. You know, it's a domino effect, and yeah, the, the smaller ones, I think it just fits. It's something that I, because I take pleasure in it. It's something I keep aiming for. That I I found, not not necessarily that I want to work there forever. And that's something too that I've discovered is that right. you know, a mere five years ago, I was a <laughs> PA only, sure. uh, on anything. And sure. now I'm kind of doing reality TV, AP stuff. But it doesn't mean that I'm locked in that forever. Well, look, how did it, how did it work parallel wise to you wanting to do your your short film? Was it something that you was your short film All's Fair and Love and Work a uh, uh, something that you were writing, something that you were doing in and saying, "Hey, you know, when I get a break between, you know, th- these two gigs, I'm going to start shooting that." Yeah, well, that, what happened was we moved to okay, I moved to New York um, for two reasons. One was my wife got into NYU for the, her master's program right. for uh, social work. So it, she got that, and, and it made sense. And then also uh, after, I guess, there was a real dry spell in Maryland and Washington where basically nothing came to town anymore. Right. Uh, there's no productions. You know, all the credits had you know, dried up, and no one was coming to town. It got really dead. What, what, year, what year was this again? Uh, I moved, I've lived here three years. Okay. So I guess about three years ago, uh, between work, dying, and by work I mean bigger work, like you know features right. and, and larger television shows, were dying in the Maryland D.C. area, and then uh, my wife got into NYU, and it just seemed like that was a sign uh, that I had to give New York a shot. And I moved to New York, and really felt nothing uh, because you know I had established all these connections in Maryland, and that means nothing when you get to New York. Sure, you know they don't care. That you've done these things because they, they want known entities and you're right. not so you're just some stranger and you don't even know like where to send stuff you know it, it's a hard field to break into if you don't know anyone right and um i think it did, I, I started writing all is fair because it was based off of what we were going through because she was you know constantly working and constantly doing this and i really wasn't able to find anything so in the movie it's uh about a guy who just can't find work, right. and uh, you know, for six months he's you know they get married and they're really happy and they're really you know that's it's it's never a question of you know will they is you know are they gonna break up? It's a question of uh, you know how long can you handle this? How long before you need to give up your dream? And uh, and what's funny is that in the movie he it, you know the, uh, everything spoiler alert everything gets better. Oh, but but fuck. then all right, I just ruined it. Uh, <laughs> But then, but then it becomes a new question of, of because he's gone all the time, right? And and it becomes then a new balance needs to be struck. And what was funny is that you know three years ago, I was definitely um, the the protagonist in the beginning of the movie, yeah. where he nothing going on. But then after you know about a a year of hammering away at about I guess it was sometime last summer, um, I laughed because my wife and I had 
a conversation that happens at the end of the movie. Right. She's like, you know, you're working too much, you're gone too much. <laughs> we were just laughing that it come full circle that I had imagined this ending. Right. And we had ended up living through it. <laughs> the self-prophecy. After we had written it, after we had shot it. Right. That it, you know, it, it, it wasn't based on fiction, it was based on reality. But yeah, it's a lot of it is, is making connections and then exploiting those connections to make the movie. Sure. Um, you know, like, the, you know, a lot of the people you talked about uh, worked on All's Fair because I was able to, you know, work with them on other movies and do favors and help out and therefore, you know, Turnabout's Fair Play. Uh, we were able to get the, the, the red camera, which is a really nice camera. We got that from uh, Jared No and from KFAT Productions, the guys who made Living Will. So basically, to shoot the movie, I was in New York. Uh, the cast was in D.C. and the crew was in D.C. We're shooting in Maryland. Uh, but the camera lived in Jersey. So right. it um, a scheduling thing of when is your camera available? Yeah. And then we can get locations and then we get everyone. And then we, you know, I sprint down to Maryland and we shoot a day. And then I have to drive the camera back. To oh, wow. And it was a real pain. And in fact, one day uh, we were doing... Uh, the big finish of the movie and I was driving down to Maryland and uh, I got rear-ended by a guy running from the cops. Oh, man. And a motorcycle which uh, managed to go flipping <laughs> over and the car and then he went flipping past me and then uh, he basically totaled my car but it was my in-law's car so that was a fun phone call. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but, and then, but then at the end they're like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, I have to get to Maryland. I have to make my movie. <laughs> uh, so I was all like delirious and like, <laughs> I picked up the, you know, everyone, you know, I got there and everyone's like, okay. I'm like, yeah, we gotta shoot this. And yeah, it was just, it was. How many times back and forth did it take you to, uh, to do the movie? How many, like, how many weekends did you work on it? Uh, we had about five shooting days, but just for also meeting people and setting up things, it probably ended up, uh, oh, and then also we had an extensive post-production period. On right. The movie, right. Um, because someone, uh, wrote and then directed the ending to take place on the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> Turns out it's kind of noisy. It makes it's a little loud. So do a lot of ADR, extensive ADR. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it, I think uh, probably over well over a dozen. Is trips. it is it uh, is it uh, off the books to talk about how much your budget was? I, uh, you can ask. Uh, I'll ask. <laughs> well, you um, answer. <laughs> I can give you a ballpark. Give a pop, ballpark. I would say for making the movie um, and then post-production and then ed- entering in the festivals and oh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I would say probably in the area of $10,000. Right on. Um, had it been, had I had to rent the camera and had I had to pay everyone, it probably would have been north of 30 Sure. Um, but luckily I'm good at begging. Yeah. So. And, and calling in favors, right? And that's that's really what you got to do, and and really it's who you know, and it's the same, it's the, yeah the same way you make a show, and the same way I work on shows now, it's the same type of thing, you know. The uh, the movie uh, you you just uh, got done pressing uh, Blu-rays and 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 uh, DVDs. Is it available? It's available on Vimeo, right? It's a yeah. You can watch the whole thing on Vimeo, and uh, Blu-rays and DVDs hopefully will be available. Uh, the Blu-rays are kind of ready to go. DVDs were getting close. Hopefully, within the next month, cool. Everything will be out the door. But no, you can certainly watch the movie online. Right, I'll link it on the uh, on the show notes. You can just go to ethanmeyer.com. Really? What's that? What's that website? It's uh, Ethan, which you spell it E T H A N, and then it's Meyer, you spell the proper way, U I E R, and then you add a .com at the end. Holy shit! 
it's it's a it's a brand new thing. Uh, it used to be an Angel Fire page. The internet recently <laughs> upgraded to to the internet. Um, Man, that is a great reference. Thank you. <laughs> so it's all downhill from here. So it's interesting. You're making you, you know you're doing you're doing what you can to uh, to move up the ladder with the uh the the uh the PA work and then working in costuming and and I guess you know freelancing on on other productions and then you're doing something that's personal so how did it how did it lead to what you're doing now which is, is reality television and producing work sure well actually it starts out back in the day um with Joe and Dan they were able to get me on Juliana and Bill from the Style Network which is uh Juliana is originally from Bethesda so they oh, would come yeah. to town and then I moved to New York, and they were in New York all the time, so they kept calling me. Um, so I think I've worked on that show like eight or nine times. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was our East Coast liaison. But, um, yeah, and then from there I just got, I started getting recommended around, and, um, here, wait, I can, I can do the math. Uh, because of, of Julian and Bill, I've got to work on this holiday of the stars for Celeb TV. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> Was it a Christmas show? It was a Christmas online thing. <laughs> it was really good. A lot of people, people, the <laughs> listeners can't see your face when you say that, but it's like just a disappointment, a little drop of disappointment. Uh, I wouldn't say disappointment. It's, it, well, it's part of the, the, the job is that sometimes you have jobs. Sure. That, and I feel bad that I, I use a specific response or a specific thing. I won't use any more specifics about things I've been disappointed by because I don't want people hunting me down. <laughs> but it, it's it's there are certain jobs that you they're just jobs. Sure. You walk in and you do it, and then people are like, "Oh, do you see it?" And you're like, "No, <laughs> oh. I'm not going to." Right. That's fine. You know, it's just the way it is. It's you walk do, in. And, do you think? Hey, um, do this job, and then that's it. I I know that it's really prevalent. I I don't want to get off uh, on a tangent, but you know, I know it's prevalent, but. Do you feel like reality television is a little more uh, disposable, like a newspaper, you know? You don't have to watch it episode to episode, certainly. But, I mean, is it something that you, that people, do you think people watch it for the the growth of the characters or they're just lazy they, or they just got home and they're tired and they just want to turn it on? They want the drama. I guess it depends on the show. And that's something, I, I think the term reality television kind of bothers me because I think, a lot of people get hung up on that word. Right. Uh, they're like, "Real? Well, it's not really reality." And you're like, "It doesn't matter." Like, exactly. It doesn't. You can call it anything. Call yeah. it just like non-actors. Right. Call, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's it's entertainment. It's not going any, it doesn't. It's not going anywhere. So there's really no reason to complain because right. it's not leaving. It's gonna be here. Right. It's never gonna be like, "Let's go back to the days where we you know we had we you know every show appealed to 10 million people." That's sure. not. That's that's gone. But it's, you know, it's, sorry, it, you know it, it's just another category of entertainment, and people kind of criticize it. It's another category of entertainment, it. and in a way, it's kind of opened up, uh, it kind of opened up, you know, if you think about one of the things of reality television, at the same time, if you think about it, it's kind of brought about, not, I'm not saying it's caused it, because that's insane, but what I'm saying is that at the same time that reality television took off, part of the reason it has is because you need this, it, it's cheaper and therefore you can aim for a smaller market sure and at the same time you get you know i would say because not because of but in the same genre you get a show like a breaking bad or you get a show like a Mad Men, where you don't need to do an nbc you don't need to have 10 million viewers you don't need 5 million viewers or you know you need right. less than five and that's 
a hit. That's wonderful. Right. And that's part of, I think that's part of the idea that reality TV's brought in, is that, you know, we don't need to appeal to everyone. Sure. We need to appeal to this small fan base. Sure. And if they watch, great. That's perfect. That's all we need. You know, a lot of the shows I've worked on, they're like, you know, if we get over 2 million people, we're good forever. Sure. And, and, and I think that helps because it, I think it, you know, not, not necessarily it makes reality any better, but, you know, a lot of the TV shows that are on today that people really enjoy have that luxury of existing because, you know, like The Wire today could run forever because they weren't, you know, at the time, right, they, right. Were, they were upset because it didn't get enough viewers, but in, in today's marketplace, it would do amazing. Right. Because it's not, you know, they're not looking, they're not at, comparing it to like a Law and Order. Yeah. They're comparing yeah. it to, you know, something much smaller than that. Right. You know, so I think that's, there's something to that. Like, you know, when I worked on American Pickers, um, it you know that show is like the second or third most popular show on cable. That's like a four point five every week, four point five million every week, and people love it. And I think it is there is something disposable about it. But I think there's people like you know the fact that they might actually know these people that they might get to know them and that they actually exist somewhere. Like that if you go, you know, like when we worked when I worked on Isis Coco, we had to go past the Kick Boss. Uh, right. a place in Hoboken every single day. Right. There's a line out the door every single day. Sure. Because people, you know, with celebrities, you're not going to meet them. Right. Believe me, you're not going to meet them. Right. <laughs> so you're not Unless it's iced tea, right? On the street. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I might run into iced tea, but that's because I know where he lives. But, you know, you're not going to run into him. But the cake boss, like, he has a business. Sure. And he's a real human being, and you can go see him. And that's this, and it's, you know, American Pickers, they have a store. In, uh, in Nashville, and it was packed every day I was there because people are excited about, oh, these real people, they're really out there doing this. Right. So there's a, I think there's a desire for it. And so, so far, I haven't worked on any soul-crushing uh, reality shows, which has helped. That's good. That gives you a good perspective on things. Yeah, because shows like, you know, I, I, I've AP'd on, uh, on Axemen, which is the Lumberjack show. Oh, that's awesome. Um up in, I shot that, I worked on that up in uh, Washington State. Um, and it was not a great experience, but it had not as much to do with the show as where I was in my were life. You, were you actually down there, or were you like in a trailer? Where Were you actually down where they're cutting and everything? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I was out, out in the field with the lumberjacks. That's awesome. Uh, having them make fun of me, because they're like, oh, you... You're from New York, boy. I don't know how, but you go to Washington State and you get Southern accent. I'm Southern, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, whatever, but you know, they're saying all these horrible things, and I'm like, oh, that's right, rednecks still exist. <laughs> I thought I left them all at home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then and then after that, I was able to, uh, you know, I worked on Iceland's Coco the first season as a like a tech manager AC, but then I was able to talk my way into being an AP the second season. Well, you know, for people who pe- people that are listening that might not know um, what each position entails, especially when Sorry, you're talking about TV sets, what is, what is an AP? What does an AP do? Uh, so well, it depends on the show. Um, for example, on, okay, on Iceland's Coco, uh, which I worked on the second, the second season as associate producer, um, that show, it would be like, uh, you know, we need a nice restaurant in New York. You know, they need to have a, you know, they need to have dinner, uh, and we need a restaurant. Um, and then it's my job to go out and find it, <laughs> um, and and book it. Or, or for example, like uh, when I talked to Dan, Dan's class, and 
I, I showed them an episode of this past season that was the Miami episode where basically everywhere they went, that episode I booked. Right. Um, so like, you know, basically they're like, uh, okay, they want to go uh, shark fishing. <laughs> go do that. <laughs> and so my job is to first off figure out what that means <laughs> and what is that. And then I get to talk to a bunch of like shark captains or captains of fishing vessels down in Miami. Right. And and basically it's 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 explaining to them what it is and what we do and and it's it's getting everyone, you know, on the same team and getting them interested and there's a lot of legalities that go into it, sure. obviously, you know, bring a film crew in and and so yeah, a lot a lot of for that show is a lot of booking of things. But yeah, for shows like American Pickers and then American Gypsies, which comes out next month, it's a lot more in the field. You're kind of the liaison to post production, which uh, you know you're the one taking the notes and then typing them up and then sending them out immediately. So when it gets back to post, they know okay, this tape has these scenes going right, on. Right, right. And you know, for like for Pickers, be like okay, this tape has this negotiation and this product, and it bartered for this much and was bought for this much. And then, like, on this tape, we have B-roll shots of these particular items. It's, is, it's that type of thing. Is it all... Uh, I, I can... I know this is this is a simple question, but uh, is it uh, is it intimidating to you? Is it uh, is it uh, stressful to you to, to be doing that kind of minutia? To be doing that kind of note-taking? Uh, not really. Um, I, I don't really get stressed out when I'm working, because I think I've done it long enough that I'm not... There's very little they could throw at me that's going to shock me. Sure. Um, I'm pretty even keeled. No, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything that... I think the only... The, on, on Pickers, they just took my handwritten notes and sent them out to the whole company, which kind of bothered me because my handwriting's so atrocious. <laughs> the idea that, like, you know, higher-ups uh, <laughs> at, you know, like, History Channel are looking at this horrible, like handwritten by a monkey language like you know <laughs> notes that I was like oh what like stop I don't yeah so no it's not a I, I guess because I, and I think part of it is what helps is part of my independent filmmaking sure. stuff is it, because I've done editing because I kind of understand what they're looking for right so a lot of it and you know like on pickers I'm going back and forth on a monitor between two cameras to make sure that you know we're getting all the coverage and stuff like that so it's it's i kind of understand what everyone's looking for you have uh, any good stories from the last uh, couple years doing this oh man uh i know i know personally the uh, the amount of stories you tweet about you know when ice wow. love Co- loves coco was on <laughs> i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of stories that i can't get in trouble with. <laughs> you see I have, I have a lot of stories I have to be very. I would have just about. liked. I would have liked Dan to have told the story about the wink, but I don't think it's going to no, be told. No, no, you don't want that story. To tell <laughs> no, that one's bad. Um, no, yeah, I don't want. You don't want to know if I got that nickname. Um, no, I'm trying to think of awesome stories that, in general, I hope you cut out me rambling trying to remember no, stories. No, no, it's actually. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to stretch it out. I'm going to repeat it. We're going, we're going four hours of two hours of be gone. Uh, there's the time. No. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, um, Let's get it no, clean. I guess a, a lot of it is just you get to go interesting places and do interesting. I'm trying to think. Well, I guess for Isolus Coco, like I said, it, it's fun to 
see your work end up on television where it's like, oh yeah, sure. there's that place I booked, and they're you know like in the Miami episode, they're out, uh, out they they go out and they catch a sailfish with Mark the Shark, and I go, <laughs> yeah, Mark the Shark, that's my guy, that's my boy, I, I put that up, you know. Uh, like in their Hawaii episode, they go out surfing with a bulldog. I'm like, yeah, that's the bulldog I got. I got that surfing bulldog. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of fun to know that you're the one who arranged that. It's rewarding. Yeah, it's it's rewarding to know that you you know, in a little way that you have contributed. And, right, right. And 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 it's fun to be on the inside of that because I think, especially you know, a lot of times what is shot and what is edited are two different things. Sure. And and so it's kind of fun. I know at the, at the premiere of the new season of Isis Coca, the one that came out in like March, I guess is the premiere. Uh, we the the whole crew and Ice and Coco and all of us were all watching it together at a, in New York, and we were laughing because of the way it was edited. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's very very full of drama. Yeah. And I think there is a moment, and again, okay, I'm gonna get in trouble now. There's a moment where it's like you know, uh, uh, Spartacus is lying. Spartacus is their awesome bulldog, um, who I love and good friends with. Um, and Spartacus is like laying on the ground and like coming up this season oh, Ice loves Coco Spartacus is laying on the ground and Coco's crying she's like you're, but you're a healthy dog and I don't know what and it seems like Spartacus is gonna die <laughs> and, and the whole, we all start laughing immediately and, and I think Ice real loud goes does Spartacus die because we know he doesn't but what it is is that you know uh, they were going to Hawaii and and to take a dog into Hawaii, there's like a whole six month process right. that we couldn't do because there's like there's no rabies in Hawaii, so you have to go through this whole oh, yeah. long process. So if if they had gone to Hawaii and taken Spartacus, he would have had to just stay like at the airport like the whole time, like in right. this thing. So basically, the show had to like explain why he wasn't allowed to go. But it was just, it was hilarious <laughs> to see it out of context because it just it seems like. Like, you know, like, what kind of show is this? We're going to show, like, some bulldog having a horrible happen to it. Ice-T always seems like the kind of dude. I've seen him in, in interviews a couple times and in, uh, in, in movies and stuff like that where he's uh – he seems like he's very conscious of the the game that's being played oh, yes. and and the industry. Like he's as much commenting on his his persona as he is, you know, playing a part on, you know, a show or whatever. He he's aware of the Ice T brand. <laughs> yeah. And 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 it's fun working with him because people sometimes will pitch him an idea and he'll just look at them and be like, I would never do that. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> Because he just knows he's, you know, he's, and he's, he's hustling all the time. Uh, <laughs> it, it's such, it's so impressive to see his work ethic. Oh, sure. Because um, he is just always going. He and, he and Coco, they're constantly moving and working. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, if I hit their level, I'd be a lot lazier. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun to work on a, pro- and it's fun to, like, on that show, having done both seasons, it's fun because, you know, you know the whole cast and crew is very, and and you know, and, and you're somewhat invested. And it, what I like about that show, and why I, I have yet to work on a show that is like soul killing, is the fact that they've been married for ten years. Sure, they're very happy together. That's never a question. And if you see in real life, they're very happy together. Right, and they're a very cute couple. So like, on the, it's never like I don't think I could work on some of these other shows that you see, where it's like you know just insane horrible human beings yeah it's always yeah it's it's yeah it's like uh, uh wading around in a in a pool of <laughs> denigration yeah because you know but what's funny too is a lot of people these days they well it's interesting because i've run into a lot of older people who 
and by older I mean like not teenagers. Yeah, sure. <laughs> who have said who have said you know I want oh I want my own reality show and it's weird I guess because they figure it's real people. Right. They pitch they pitch all the time, which is totally not the most annoying thing that's ever happened. Because like <laughs> okay man here's the show, uh, it stars me, I work for UPS. <laughs> <laughs> then there's my brother, who's and they start going in. And you're just like, I no one would ever watch this. I'm like, your family wouldn't watch this, not to be mean. But then, but then you also the interesting things, and then you get the younger people who don't want to be on a reality show. They just want to skip to the famous part. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to like do any of the earning or the hard work, right? They just no, want to. And like, they don't understand the, the celebrity the process. They just and even, yeah, they just want to be famous. And, and not understand how to get there. Sure. It's like, no, what, I have to work? No, I just want to be famous. Well, I mean, um, you know, also the programming has created kind <laughs> has kind of created that atmosphere. Oh, yeah, you know? it's created that by being a horrible person you become famous. Yeah, sure. Which is something that it's it's scary. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and again, because, because it has the name reality on it, people are like, oh, this is real. Right, and yeah. If I act like a shithead. Yeah. Then... You know, if I'm a whore, a spoiled like these girls kid. are whores. Right. Oh my god, then that equals fame. Um, which is really scary because that's not the way it works. But So so without getting like too deep into um into making it solid what I don't even think I don't even know if you have a, a career like plan you know sure. further in the future, but what do you expect to you know, like wh- where do you expect to go? Like what do you want to do? My goal is to star in the sequel to Magic Mike <laughs> 2, which is why I'm working on my abs a lot. I'm seeing that tomorrow. I will let you know. I, you know what? I think they kill everybody at the end, so, you I know. I think so. That sounds like a Soderbergh. It'll be a, it'll be a companion <laughs> piece. <laughs> at, at the end, at the, end uh, uh, the, the lady from Haywire comes in and shoots <laughs> Yeah. I but I mean, like, do you, do you have uh, expectations to, to be doing your own features and being a director and all that? Um, I think that's the long-term goal, but I don't, I think part of it is I, I, when I was younger, I put time limits on myself. Yeah, this is, and that's same, scary. Same it's here. so scary to do that, because you're like, well, blah, 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 you know, I, I don't understand why I'm a mere 23-year-old, right? and no one's giving me the opportunity, and you're all, like, weird and negative. Yeah. It's, just, it's scary, and you, and, but you get that, I think everyone goes through it. I think I think if you like if you have that expectation of going into a creative, artistic you know uh, uh, major and then a, and then the career field that you see that sort of competition and there's a competition to become uh, to to get recognition by a certain yeah. milestone. Absolutely, yeah, and and the problem is that there are there are well, <laughs> for some people they look at this as being like a sport like right. in a way that that you know like like you know for the washington nationals 19 year old stephen harper can all of a sudden be a phenom sure and and you know and he just fits in with people twice his age and he's amazing and he's good to go right and people are like well that happens in film too right and you're like well, <laughs> it's not really but but there's that expectation because it's creative because it's creative like well you don't really need to earn it you just need to be yeah right Right. And you're like, well, the, the problem is that you need to, you can't be talented in a box. You need right. to, to get to this point where people are willing to give you money. Right. And, and so that's why even to this day, I think, well, it's funny because now I've gotten to the point where 
when you're younger, I think, and I still have an anger about this, about like nepotism. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, like I, I would love, I would love to not hate Jason Reitman just a little. <laughs> I would, I would love to look at his movies, which are very good, and sure. be like, yeah, man, that guy's awesome. But then my brain goes, his last name is Reitman. Yeah, exactly. And I get all like crazy. Or the Coppolas. Look at Sofia Coppola, man. Dude, huh. yeah. So, yeah. So there's a part of it, and, and that happens on every set. Sure. That's not a special But you know thing. what? That's not, I, that's, not a, that's not even a surprising thing. You know but what I find, yeah. though? I find a lot of people, you know, they, they factor in, uh, they don't factor in the luck that comes with getting at least, get, getting money, or at least getting, you know, on someone's radar. There's a lot of luck there. Okay. There's a lot, a lot of luck. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah. So it's it's a weird thing that yeah people are always pushing. Yeah, I, yeah. There's these expectations that like I'm gonna be famous by this point, and I know I've had the thoughts of like I'm a failure, man. Yeah, I'm like 25. And right. Nothing's working out yet, right. man. Well, so I mean, I like guess one- at this point, I'm much more relaxed, and 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 I know I know that that's where I want to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm not putting a time limit on when I get there. Yeah, I was talking to a to a friend of mine uh, uh, last last year sometime. Um, we had this really long, like two hour discussion about the <laughs> about the milestones that we set, like when we started college, and you know there was this, you know, if you if you have any sort of uh, um, uh, knowledge of of film and and the people that became really famous and in, in the independent film uh, atmosphere, it's it's like you know th- there are milestones you got to hit you got to make a feature by by or more preferably before you're 30 years old and if you didn't like do that then you're you're you feel like a failure and yeah. you, you know you look at things you know um we've been talking a, a bit about how tv has become this this new this new thing where you know where where long form narrative drama can can kind of you know not only compete but outdo feature films in a way That's that it right, never did right. before uh, and we talk about you know how so many actors are becoming like more recognizable that didn't that that, that only came to their fame in middle age or older. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Look at Michael Emerson from Lost. I mean, the man's like forty or fifty years old, and before that, he did yeah he did several TV shows. But talk about the fame that you're getting from from finally being on some like widely recognized show it it doesn't come it doesn't come at milestones always you know absolutely and that's and you know and some of my favorite character actors of all time are the ones who didn't start like you know like a Dennis Farina who yeah. I love oh god he's awesome to a degree that's insane uh like yeah i mean he was a cop for you know a long right. time and, and there's something about having a lifetime of experience and there's you know it's yeah it, yeah, you're not always, and that's something too that I've kind of gone on. You know, the fact that I'm in reality right now. Yeah, it, it's just a path. It's just like I'm gonna, I'm here now. I don't know where I'm going because you know, I, yeah. If you told me five years ago, uh, Ethan, you're gonna live in New York City, <laughs> and you're gonna be married for four years, and uh, <laughs> and you're gonna be working on like these reality shows. And you're going to be interviewed on the debate, the debatable podcast. <laughs> See, like, here's the problem. You just you just ran into the problem with the podcast. I was waiting for when it was going to be oh. difficult to pronounce. I know, right? Well, that's also also my throat is all messed up. I've I've been sick this week, so my voice is a little bit sexier than normal. Uh, it is. Dry, it is pretty drier sexy. Than normal. It is pretty sexy. So uh, I I appreciate it. But um, no, actually, one uh, if you watch Devil's Race Course and you go to uh, 
hour and seven minute mark. <laughs> not, that I've, not that I've counted. Um, I I make my uh, my big screen debut as uh, actually I don't know if it's my debut or not, but I, I play cop number two. Oh man, and with and, the makeup. Is this the I'm one sorry? with the makeup? Is no, this, no, 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 no. This is a Mia. I literally I have two lines. <laughs> uh, I think it's like the girls in the car. Uh, but I drop I drop my voice because the gentleman I was working with, um, his voice was so deep. It was ridiculous. Oh. I mean, first off, he was like. A lot taller than me. Oh, I know not, who you're talking about. I it's know. not saying much because most people are a lot taller than me. But his voice was so deep that I had to drop mine as much as possible. I, so. I got to say, we saw that, um, Dan and I saw it being shown at the, was it at the Spy Museum or the Navy Museum down in D.C.? Uh, I think it was something like that. Yeah, and we went to see it, and I got to say, um, most of the people in there were probably annoyed to all hell that we were just cracking up and not just cracking up at, at funny things, but enjoying the filmmaking, enjoying that movie, living yeah, through I would, it. I would love to do a commentary on that movie. It's just, it, just for me. It's, because, it's, it's, and, and, and hey, there's so many stories. Again, sure. It was just a crazy, I mean, that's like, you know, let's go out on the Appalachian Trail for three weeks. Uh, where it rains like every other day, right? And and shoot a movie, and it just and there's so many stories. And that. that's and that's what I mean. We're like sitting there, like I don't think people uh, are aware of it. Like you you'll see this especially with 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 film buffs or filmmakers or whatever. But whenever I go see like an independent film with a bunch of friends, and especially if I know someone who made it or worked on it, uh-huh. there's this like community like support enjoyment of just. I, I know how that was shot. I know the, the oh, yeah. problems you went through getting that. Oh, absolutely. Even, um, you know, like, uh, there's a little movie that was shot in East uh, Oxford, Maryland, um, like, in 2005. I think it's called Swimmers. It was really good. I recommend people chasing it down. I think it was one of Netflix's first movies they picked up. Right on. Um, like, their red letter or red box or whatever their little production company was called. Right. But I remember laughing because they, they shot a scene. It was supposed to be at an airport. And I recognized that it was like the lobby of Chesapeake College. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's so silly that I know. But I'm like, I was really excited about it. And at the end of the movie, they're like driving across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. And I was like, I live on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. That's amazing. But then, but then it's funny too because you have moments like in Mission Impossible 3 where he's supposedly on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, that, that is not the Bay Bridge, sir. Oh, like, you want to. Sorry. How, you da- how dare you? For you didn't. That? You didn't even need to be someone from Maryland to know that uh, ninety-five in Live Free or Die Hard was bullshit. I know. The- yeah. Wasn't it? Was like it was like a double-decker. <laughs> there like, were like three. Like, there were three three anything. levels to it. <laughs> yeah, you're just watching. You're like, what is happening? Right now? Um, but it's it's funny too because actually and here I'll I'll parlay this something weird. I know we both read just read the same article in the AV Club. Oh, about yeah. Things that ruin. Or that, that like, ruin movies for you, right. and it's funny because a part of me, a part of me has become a production person. Sure. So I, I read a critic complaining, and the thing I think was like, you know, an empty coffee cup, and I, I was like, I was like, you need to shut the hell up and yeah. relax and stop. It's almost like, like seeing behind the curtain, right? It's like yeah, seeing us. Like, and well, it was funny because I think they're in the in the article they're extrapolating that if no one's paying attention to a coffee cup not being filled, then that somehow indicates that no one's paying attention. Oh, uh, that's bullshit. Said. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and you and, and one of the funny things is you know like we I could bitch about the fact that you know live free or die hard that's clearly not 
Maryland. Sure, yeah. Or, or, when, or when they blow up the helicopter in D.C. That's right. clearly Baltimore behind it. Right, yeah. Or, you know, or, or, you know, there's little stuff like that, but that's what filmmaking, it's not yeah. truth, it's a lie. Like, it just is. chill out, it's fine. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, at the beginning of the movie Body of Lies, where it's supposed to be some, you know, ghetto in England being blown up, that's Baltimore, man. Sure. And that's fine, that's cool, just chill yeah. out, it's cool, don't worry yeah. about it. These are these are like little you know these are this is what comes with with filmmaking you know they talk about you know duping the uh, the the viewer you know the magic of duping a viewer you know and and just and if you notice it just relax it's fine sure. you know like a, like a show like Arrested Development which I would argue is probably one of the best comedies ever made absolutely you know they the ADR on that show is terrible <laughs> it's so obvious and it's so like you know the moment that you, you don't see someone's mouth. And it's like a different sound. Have you like, seen Have you seen Snuffbox? No, I haven't. There's this British show. It's very uh, It's very Python esque. Uh, Matt Berry is on it, um, who people might know from several really good. Is that uh, uh, Is that the guy from the IT Crowd? No. Uh, yes, yes, yes. He's the boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Matt no, Berry and. Ri- What's his name on the show? What is his name on the IG crowd? I, I forget. Shows. I forget. But he's got a wonderful voice, doesn't he? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Matt Berry and Rich Fulcher, and the, the reason I bring it up is because he said the ADR. The the ADR on Snuffbox, it's like you know, it's very sketch oriented, but there's like a through line plot through every episode. There's like six episodes, okay. but um, but the ADR in there is used to such comical effect. Like, you know, they, they're like, man, you know, this thing isn't working or this is part of the joke. We're just going to put in some completely different dialogue in a deeper voice or something that just doesn't fit. It's, it was, it's really good. Yeah. I can imagine. Oh, and, and then Matt Berry does great work. He's great. He's great. He's funny, dude. <laughs> but it's, it's funny that people, and it's, it's funny too, seeing like in, in uh, one of the joys of reality TV, uh, is catching the crew in the background, right? Yeah, because it happens all the time. Sure, on most shows, you're like, "Oh, look!" Like I know on on Isis Coco, there's moments where, I, like, if you pause, like, there's the whole crew right there. Yeah, <laughs> like there's like a, a shot in like the first season where like it's it's like his his Bentley's pulling away, and like as the GoPros are like, in the corner, <laughs> you could look and see the whole crew hiding from the rain, like right there. And I I love that and. It, the idea that that's somehow ruining the experience for someone kind of bothers me. I think again because you're in production, like you know, in the field, stuff falls through the cracks all the time. Right. You know, like, I think oh, yeah. doing, watching All's Fair, Love and Work, but one I said on like the little commentary for that, the whole first half of the movie, the car- the main, the leading man, Mr. Lucas Beck, um, he is <laughs> wearing a zip a tie that's like a zip tie. Yeah. Like it's a zipper, and I always want to do a joke with it. But there was so much happening, like for like three days, I totally forgot every single day. Right. He had a zip. I would leave notes for myself, and I just forget because <laughs> you're, you're on the set. It's not like you're, you know, especially in that. I guess that's part of the reason I like smaller sets too, is that you know there's a little bit of chaos, sure. but but it's manageable. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, it, I mean, I forgot every single day, and that's not in the movie. Yeah. But it's fine. Whatever, man. It's I think I think people use use things to to nitpick on, especially in in you know we become more critical as we are you know part of um, not only the industry but you know Twitter and like we've talked about AV Club and everything. It's kind of a an a, a, a community. It's kind of a, a an atmosphere of picking apart things and yeah. being able to say, well, you know. You know, this is this is a continuity error. You know, yeah. I remember someone in film in film school at Towson um, in in an editing class 
ripping apart The Departed, uh, the Martin Scorsese movie, because she was like, oh, the editing, they were editing together two uh, shots that didn't have continuity, and she was like, that took her out of the movie. Out of a fucking Scorsese movie that she was what getting it, what, so pressed about. That, that's watching it wrong. Yeah. To to quote to quote like uh, you know to think of the the documentary comedian, Orny, Orny <laughs> Adams like the, this is a terrible crowd. Yeah. And you, you're being a terrible movie watcher. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not the way they're supposed to be. You know, that's not the way you're supposed to enjoy it. That's not the way I mean, you're, if you're, you're not, watching it. If you're not if you're not like being if you're not paying attention and not being part of. Uh, the story and and the characters and the performance and it and it is so bad that you are looking at surface problems with editing or continuity, but it's the fucking Departed. It's not you know exactly, some exactly, really yeah. boring yeah, sci-fi movie. Every movie gets a pass. Yeah, we're not saying that like in a movie like Birdemic. <laughs> which I know Dan yeah. was talking about last yes. show. Yes. It's it, just because it's supposed to be the apocalypse, and yet you can see people in the background, like looking at the camera. Yeah. Like, what are you people doing? Yeah. That's that's bad. Like that's a mistake. And, sure. But it's like if it's the departed, just just relax, man. Yeah. It's cool. Like yeah. experience this something. Be awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's strange. What well, and also I think with it's interesting with it's true of, with Twitter and everything. It, it's like. And a lot of people now have the ability to be heard, but they want they, and they want to be heard. So there's like a race, yes, to to be first and be loudest. Yes, exactly. And it kind of bothers me sometimes because they're just like they go so big, and you're like, whoa, like no, just you gotta bring it back. Let's you know, right? It, in the same way that it's happened in politics in this country. Sure, sure. It's happened in media criticism as well. But yeah, you know, it is it is a a very. Uh, fine point that you can always expect someone to be pulling cards as soon as they as soon as something gets out there you know uh, releases on on dvd or releases in the theater or music or whatever it's some little uh, off step yeah oh no well i I have a thing where it's okay like literally again like this is coming out sunday right so i can talk about recent things and it'll still be recent sure like like on uh like an ign.com had a thing about like (laughs) there was a leak about Mass Effect Three video game downloadable content, right? And they were critiquing, they were critiquing the problems with the leak that yeah. isn't official because yeah. it's a leak. <laughs> and I was like, why is this a new? You're like, it's gotten to the point where they're like, well, someone's gonna do it. And you're like, yeah, someone's yeah. gonna do it, but it shouldn't be you because, yeah. like, why? What? What is the point? Why does this article exist? Exactly. We're critiquing things that don't exist that aren't that like. Uh. You see and the cr- true, and it, we're, we're definitely like a spoiler culture. Yeah. Of the, to the degree that you know, like, I I was very proud of myself that until this week, literally, I did not see a trailer for The Dark Knight Rises. Right. I avoided it, and God, was that the hardest thing I've ever done? Oh yeah. Was trying to not have it be spoiled. It's impossible. And to not. And I had friends in Pittsburgh, and I started yelling at them. And I'd be like, tell the people of Pittsburgh <laughs> to stop putting goddamn pictures up online because everywhere I see is like, I you know, I hit a button, there's Bane, and I'm yeah. like, go away. I yeah. don't know. Stop you it. Would say, can I be Fernando for a second? You would say yes. that that was the Bane of your existence, right? It was absolutely the Bane of my existence. <laughs> and and I, I hate Fernando for, for, thinking, for thinking, for making me sick. Um, yeah, I, it's, no, it's yeah, just, no, you're, yeah, it's this thing of like race and uh, like 
It's funny. Right, it's Bobby. funny too because you know the criticism that they had when um, when CNN and twenty four seven news coverage became more prevalent, and how yeah. you're covering uh, you know a baby's breath in New Jersey as being news. Same thing is happening with you know uh, with media and anything to nerd out about spoiler culture. It's all about you know uh, examining every little piece of minutia. Yeah, and it's the same of, like, CNN, you know, messing up the Supreme Court decision <laughs> on yeah. like, Thursday. Like, literally, no one gives a shit who says it first. Right. Other than, like, but, it, and again, and it's funny because it comes down to numbers and people care about this right. stuff. We're like, no, but, you know, in the first, you know, we beat them by five minutes. Right. And in that five minutes, we got, like, you know, 10 million hits. Yeah. And therefore, our ad revenue raised, and, and it that's obviously something you need. The, the organi- but the, it's so like insane that that's something we need to work. Like, why? The Shit, organization doesn't want to. Everyone, stop it! Like, this is ridiculous. Like, like, they literally did like Dewey defeats Truman. Yeah, they but, did. They did. But like, they did it today. Like, you shouldn't. There was nothing. There, there was literally two options. There was. They said they pat. They said okay, or they you know said no. Right. It was yes or no, and they got it wrong. It's and a, they got it wrong for an extended period of time. But it's it a happens. Thing. It was like yeah, it was like seven or eight minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I just sat there like, oh, you know what? This this thing that we put up might be incorrect. I think people don't want to be. Um, they get uh, they get more more uh, celebrity and more uh, recognition if they're not reposting someone else's. You got it. Yeah, you thing. see on Twitter like you got to get the first joke out. Right. Which is funny, and if you're if you're twenty minutes behind. Uh, why even bother? Right. Why even bother talking about? Right. You're you know, so Tom, you're so late. I, I saw I saw the first joke about Tom Cruise getting divorced on the day Magic Mike comes out. There's no other <laughs> jokes that can happen. Like I'm sorry, the one that guy beat me. I give up. I go home. But like you know what I mean? Like there's no. Well, the, and the funny thing is, is because there's so many people doing it, it's it's really not a question of quality because you will get the quality because there's so many people doing right. it. Right. So it, it really does become a race. How tw- how 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 into social networking are you? You don't seem uh, to be too into it. I like, don't seem to, it was You don't seem to be like too like uh, you have to tweet every fucking thought, but you no, you you like I, it, right? You you're part of it. I I enjoy Twitter because well, I Facebook is is that that I've kind of pulled back on cuz I have too many little cousins. Right. So I can't say anything anymore. Um because I don't want to ruin their lives anymore than I already have <laughs> by saying horrible things. But yeah, Twitter's kind of just where I usually just say weird crap and the thoughts that go through my head. Sure. But um, but no, I mean it's funny too because sometimes I really enjoy Twitter and sometimes I really hate Twitter. It's um, like you know, it's, it's really Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, it's, and you can see the dregs of humanity on tw- on Twitter. Oh my! Oh well, you could do that, and you do like um. Yeah, I mean, any any anywhere on the internet where comments are allowed. <laughs> yes, I yes. really don't. Oh, it's funny because even me, like, I don't like. It's funny because there's certain podcasts where they start like reading emails or they or they bring in like let's let's yeah. go to the phones. Right. And I'm like skip 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 because I don't want to hear right. real people. I got real two, people are stupid. It's, it's, it's interesting because like I was I follow this photographer that I can't remember his name right now, but he was bitching about how he's gonna go put his stuff on Vimeo because. Uh, he posted some uh, project that he did with a uh, with a with a black model, and 
everything on YouTube was a racist comment, like for three or four pages. Uh, right. So then, you know, it's also interesting. Like, I, I, I don't know if you're, if you ever watched, did you ever watch uh, Dennis Miller Live when it was on HBO? No, I did not. It was it was a show that that had that you was on the cusp of of trying to involve the audience too, and they they would screen calls, but it, what's the point of screening? Someone can lie and just you know of course, of do course. something else live, and that that became an epidemic on that show of just people calling in, getting on air, and saying something really racist or fucked up, you know? Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's funny too because I guess. Because I, I mean, I I would love to be pretend like I'm a social worker and I can understand or not like a <laughs> sure. sociologist and understand why people do this. Right. And I definitely think the filter has been removed. That's on, what it is. On yeah. The, on the idiots of the world. It's anonymity too, because people oh, even yeah. you know even it's if you have your name shit. or or a screen name connected oh, yeah. to your comment, there's you feel comfortable just putting whatever the fuck you want into the uh, into the universe. It's so dumb. And and it's also like they talk about the fact that you know a lot of people stop remembering things because Google exists. Right. So they yeah. don't need to remember things. So you get, you see that on Twitter sometimes. Like one of my favorites is like, I grew up a big fan of pro wrestling. Sure. Which you can hate me for and that's fine. No, I love um, it. But I follow, I follow some of the people on, on Twitter because I find it funny. And there's a guy, his name is MVP. Uh, and he, he followed his live stream and is wrestling in Japan. Um, and every day you can look at his page and people go, how come we don't wrestle anymore? Because, <laughs> because he doesn't wrestle in America. Right. And they don't do they don't do the one second of like it's not like literally you click on his thing his name and it says like New Japan wrestler yeah and that's all you have to do and that's the whole but like that process is too much for them it's, it's like the idea that like I have to do research like, like there's yeah. so many places you can look this stuff up like, it's that first you know, layer like, of the uh, onion that they don't want to go below yeah and that's something too it's funny because I've had people tell me that like wow you're an expert on things like that you know like. If I had to do the AP thing about like, you know, the uh, find um, was it like uh, you know, find find the fish, uh, fisherman in right. uh, in Miami, I would spend a day just understanding the process because I don't I'm not just gonna start calling up fishermen or whatever <laughs> yeah, without course. without understanding what it is I'm talking about. Right, you don't want to ask something that you're completely naive about. Yeah, like I I want to at least have enough knowledge to be dangerous. <laughs> I don't want to know what I'm talking about, but I want to sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure. So it's and, – and that seems to have stopped to a degree. Yeah. But I think it's also because people just talk constantly. Now. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no filter. There's blah, 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 and it just goes. Mm-hmm. And there's and, – and especially in people not, – not to sound like we're a thousand years old, but people younger than us who are the worst ever. <laughs> um, but no, they have the same – like little things of like, you know, you talk about something – at like I remember I remember being on X Men and the other APs were like I was twenty five and they were uh like twenty three. Right. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is getting awesome now. Um and and I they would we would talk about something and then they would pull it up on YouTube like at dinner, like while we were talking about it, and then play it for me on their phone and I'd be like, No, this is for after dinner. Like, yeah, right. This is not what you do at dinner. Right. Who taught you manners? Right. And but now it it just it's funny because it's 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 gotten to this point where the people, you know, have had you know, people like high schoolers have had Twitter as long as they've been people. Yeah. So there's no, there's no privacy because they're like, they're living out loud. Yeah. And you they know, just talk and, yeah. It's interesting to, you know, just last night I, I, I was watching uh, 21 Jump Street. And yes. that, that, the, you know, seeing that kind of high school that's just 
uh, 10 or 11 years after I went to high school and seeing what youth culture is now, it's, it is a different thing. It is very much, uh, I need it because of Google and because of the internet and because of probably a hundred other factors. We're now like, Oh, I need it now. I need it right now. I am not going to wait for it. No, and patience has become, uh, Something and free. It has to be free also. Oh, God. You son of a bitch trying to make me pay a nickel for this. Right. Um, yeah, well, that's that's something I find amazing. But when, like, you know, I understand why people want to illegally download, like, gigantic movies. Right. I understand that. You know, I, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I, you understand the logic behind sure. it. You know, Robin Hood, etc. Sure. <laughs> but like, then you see people like stealing. Like, I, I remember meeting a guy who had stolen like the documentary Inside Job. Yeah. And I'm just like, why are you stealing like, a doc? <laughs> like, who steals documentaries? That's so weird to me. I'm, and like, a, like, uh, yeah. But because the, the idea of paying for it is like, how dare you? Yeah, and how it's kind of it, you know what? It's it's also kind of. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, you can understand where where it's coming from. It's almost like a, a reactionary. You know, I, I, recently, you know, with Louis C.K. doing so much on his website with the tours, uh, with the tour and the uh, specials that he's released, he's yeah. kind of cutting out the middleman and making it seem like, which he probably is, a no bullshit hassle just to you know, at a at a low fee, buy this from me. You're you're not gonna have you know. It, 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 there's gonna be no middleman that you're buy, uh, buying from that you're paying. You know. Absolutely. Thank God for that too. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, and it's true to to you know to do comedy shows. It's so expensive. Sure. And which is hilarious because yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be as as insane as it is. Right. Yeah. Well, Ethan, thanks a lot, man. We've gone on, gone on for about eighty five minutes here. Ah. Uh. I thought we were gonna go for like the four hour mark. Um, we might have to do that. We might have to do that on the second episode. There you go. Next time we'll have to we'll have to watch something terrible together. You know, yeah, we're gonna have we to we're gonna have to do a review. The Bowman, uh, oh. second trip. Have you seen that shit? I think you have because you know what, Dan. I think let me lend. I my saw phone. your notes that you left in the DVD case. Did I really? What were my notes? You your notes were amazing. It was basically uh, the same. We just probably cribbed from you the whole time for the for the <laughs> for the podcast. Oh, you stole from me. Yeah. It was. It was. There was a comment in there about the uh, wonderful um, orange, almost uh, <laughs> fruit shake consistency to the blood that comes out of that trainer's head. <laughs> yeah. <but let's>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, well, there's nothing you do, you know. You just do it. Yeah. it's fine. It's basically the it's basically uh, the Departed. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So why are you getting hung up on it, Greg? Just fucking watch it, right? I know. Watch, watch this movie <laughs> that Vince Bowman made just for you, son of a bitch. Enjoy it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, but thanks a lot, man. I'll uh, I'll make sure that I uh, I link the uh, the short. In the in the yeah, show notes. Guys, do my spiel of like where you should go. Absolutely, find. please. Okay, well, if you go to uh, ethanmeyer.com, you can find. Although apparently, like Apple might be shutting it down soon. Silly <laughs> nonsense. So if it's gone, it'll be back. But just check it out. Um, on Twitter, I'm Mister, which, which is M R uh, Ethan Meyer, because there's some uh, like dude in Portland who stole my name. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, if you go on there, you can find me. And you know, like uh, the movie is called All's Fair and Love and Work. Uh, that's on Facebook and it's on Vimeo. You can watch the whole thing. Uh, newer project I'm working on is a feature documentary 
called uh, Iron Journey, about uh, four people trying for their first Ironman race. Right on, man. So that you can find that on Facebook, and uh, yeah, I've been shooting that since February, going till at least November shooting. Oh, right on, man. So, yeah, so there's lots of uh, lots of fun stuff going on, and, uh, and yeah, let's see. What can you watch? Uh, sometime in July, you should watch American Gypsies on uh, Nat Geo, and sometime in by September, you should watch uh, any American Pickers episodes that take place <laughs> in uh, Virginia, North Carolina, or uh, or uh, Tennessee. And if you see anyone hiding in the corner, uh, you might see like the corner of my head. <laughs> and if yeah, if you want to see me on television, you could see me in Devil's Race Course. Yes. Uh, and you could see me in Living Will getting kicked in the balls and getting shot in the chest. Uh, Are they on and, Netflix right now? Uh, Devil's Race Course is on Netflix Instant. I don't think Living Will is. Right up. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, and what else? There's some other stuff. In season one of Iceless Coco, I'm eating dinner in the background. <laughs> so I'm, I'm out there. I'm well, busy. dude, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. As and Nando says, I'm a Twitter celebrity. So, <laughs> you, yeah, you are. You are. I'm happy for you, man. I, and, uh, you know, I hope to have you on here in the future, man. Yeah, well, hopefully we can do it in person sometime. We can actually see each other. That'd be great. In time, to fin- to finally meet each other in person. How about that? It, it'll be severely disappointing. <laughs> okay man thanks so much dude no problem thank you sir well there you go listeners i hope you enjoyed that uh ethan's a a very cool guy i hope to have him on uh in the future once i get past all of these these origin story podcasts where i'm you know basically asking people their histories and getting into like you know just their biography i just want to like get you to know these people so that I can bring them on and there's like an invested uh, thing with them. You're invested in their, in their character. Why am I? Yeah. You're invested in their character. Like it's a TV show. Listen, anyway, I want to get past these origin stories. They're fascinating. They're helpful. If you're a film student, a film buff, getting into the film industry, the TV industry, they're interesting. Everybody's got an interesting story to tell. At least I believe so. So, you know, once we get past this and I can have a good old time, have another, you know, uh, another review party like I did with Dan about the Bowman trilogy, I'm going to do that with with future guests. So, you know, hopefully I'm going to have Fernando on again. We're going to be talking about something new. And, And same with Ethan, same with Dan. So every Everybody's going to be, you know, hopefully making another episode. I got I got some more material with Angela to post in the future. So, yeah, I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Please send comments, questions to my Twitter, Facebook pl- page. Go over to Facebook, please, please like us. I will um, appreciate you. And if you leave comments, you leave questions, you leave suggestions for future episode uh, topics, whatever. I will work that in. And thank you for listening once again. This is our fourth episode. That's a full month of podcasting. And it's everything that I've hoped to this point. It's been such a good round. So I'm hoping, you know, throughout July and August, you're going to stick with us and watch this show grow more and more. Next week, we got the cause. We got uh, Andy Kozlowski. And uh, he's running a very um, interesting blog. And uh, we'll talk about it. It's a, he's he's watching 365 films in a year. Uh, it's it's a it's good. It's good to read, and uh, it's it's just good to talk to him about. I talk to him uh, about it uh, as much as I can, almost every uh, day of the work week. I love you. Please.
comment and question. Question humanity. Question your life. Okay, have a good one.